Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Well, grace and peace be with you. You cannot know what it means to see warm bodies in this building and on this campus come to... Yeah, come on. Yeah, let it loose. Let it rip. My God, my God, thanks be to God that we are able to gather or begin gathering, right? We know there are some of you at home right now who are aching to be with us. We know that. And you are part of us and we are praying for the day when you can be, when you feel safe enough to gather with us. But we give thanks today to be here and we have so much to be thankful for, so much. We we may be here to four o'clock and I don't know, but I tell you what, walking through this morning, I was in, I just, I'm sorry, but choir. <laughs> I, walking through this morning, hearing warm-ups of our orchestra, our contemporary worship band, our choir that you just felt in this room, and trust me, if you're in the other room, I feel like the building, the building, the brick and mortar of this place has expanded a little bit, as if to say, now that's more like it. And I want to welcome you, myself, into this hour. Before we begin our time of study, I just want to give good news a chance to to air and to breathe. One of our members, Mary Martin, one of our long-term members in this church, she can't be with us today. She, we hope, is watching uh, at home. Uh, But do you know that yesterday, Mary Martin turned 102 years old? Yeah, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mary. Your church family loves you, and we're celebrating with you today. We begin today with the study of Scripture. We begin with the Word of God, which comes to us from Psalm chapter 63. If you're able to turn with me, if not, simply let the words wash over you as we prepare for this message today. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, we might say majesty and glory, because of your steadfast love, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied, satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think 
of you on my bed and I meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Let's go to the Lord in a moment of prayer. Lord, we claim the truths of the ancient psalmist. Our soul clings to you. It is because of your righteous hand that we have been not only held up, but held together over the last year. We have been held together through your spirit, which binds and bonds us all in unity, in, in Christ. And our prayer for this time of worship and study is that we who have gathered here and the rest of us who are at home and watching online, engaging online, our prayer today, Father, is this. That you would show us how good and pleasing it is to dwell in your presence we have brought into this hour all kinds of burdens, all kinds of hopes, all kinds of fears. And our prayer is that for just a moment or two, you might be able to lift from the shoulders of your people the burdens that keep them from seeing you. We pray that you would clear the ears of our hearts that we might be able to hear the voice of God. For we welcome your transforming spirit now in this moment in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, today is Time Change Sunday. And nobody likes this one. The one where you spring forward and you lose an hour, right? Because in many ways, we, we lose an hour of time. And you know that well, because you got up and made it here on time today. But I find it significant today that this is Time Change Sunday on the weekend that we are celebrating or observing the one-year anniversary. It was this day, this weekend, one year ago, when we had to make the difficult decision to cease in-person gatherings for a time. And so here on this time change Sunday, when we are mindful of having lost an hour, we, we are also mindful that it has felt as if we have lost a year. It feels that way down in the gut, right? And so I'm thinking a little bit today about what it means to, to lose time. What's it mean? To lose time. So in my dining room, I've told you about this, haven't I? I've got a clock. It's a big old clock. And no, I didn't bring it so that the sermon wouldn't run long. <laughs> but this clock, as you can see, has got some problems. You see that? 
Problem with this clock, and many of you know this because over the course of the past year, we've had like hundreds of Zoom calls and meetings in my dining room where behind me is this clock, and some of you have said, hey, what's wrong with the clock? What's up with the clock? It's not the right time. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. And the trouble is, it's got a, it's got a weak battery in the back. It's got some other problems right now, too. It's got a weak battery in the back, which means it keeps a little bit of time. But then every once in a while, you know, we'll be in the other part of the house and the clock sometimes makes it around to about right here. And then we hear, you know. And the fact is, some of you have said, well, we'll just change the battery. And I said, no. Now, what we're doing is I'm leaving it this way because in the thick of the pandemic, in the thick of the quarantine, it kind of feels like time stands still, doesn't it? And I said, we're going to keep this in the dining room as a reminder that we're, we're not yet finished and the time is standing still. And I wonder this morning, as we gather back together and we think about the fact this is not just time change Sunday where we've lost an hour, but it's on the weekend in which we feel like we have lost a year, I wonder how your faith is doing. Does it feel like this clock looks? Does it feel like with your faith, time has stood still for a while? Not long ago, we did another one of our shared life surveys, didn't we? And in that shared life survey, one of the questions that we asked was, hey, when you think about your spiritual health, when you think about how you're doing spiritually, and you compare how you're doing today to where you were one year ago today, we said, you know, pick the statement that best fits you. Are, do you. Do you feel weaker today, stronger today, about the same today as you did one year ago? And this is what we heard. Out of nearly 600 people, 18% of us said, my spiritual health is weaker today than it was a year ago. But then... 34% said, my spiritual health is stronger today than it was a year ago. For some reason, and in some ways, there have been those among us who have grown in Christ in this past year. But then 47% said, my spiritual health is about the same today as it was one year ago. Put another way, it feels as if my spiritual life has been stuck in time. That time has stood still for a little while. Well, we asked another question. We said, okay, when you think about how you feel and where you are spiritually, and you think about coming out of COVID and returning back to church and the rhythm that, that makes that makes sense, the rhythm that means so much to us. When you think about what you need in order to grow when you come back, what's the greatest need? And you can answer a couple of questions. And one of the greatest, in fact, the one that was the top answer that was given by, by everyone, 60% said this, in-person fellowship. I got to see my people. Whether it's large group or small group, I got to see people, and that's a great need. And so we give thanks to God today that we're able to take a step in that direction but the second is most interesting to me. The second highest, 39% said, I need help getting back into a spiritual routine. 
Something can happen over the course of a year where we fall out of the pattern that gives life and we end up needing to find our way back to a routine that gives life. I need help getting back into a spiritual routine. And if that's where you are today, my beloved sisters and brothers, you are not alone. And the whole reason we're doing this series called Habits is so that we look at practical ways that every day we can implement exercises, practices, holy habits, that if we incorporate them into our daily, weekly, monthly, yearly rhythm, we end up getting back into a pattern that gives life. So the first Sunday, we talked about solitude. We talked about the power of simply moving away from the clutter and the noise and the distraction of life to commune with the one who knows us best and loves us most. We talked about the power of simply sitting in silence with the one who has made us. The second week, we talked about another spiritual discipline, the discipline of prayer. We talked about how prayer is not simply a construction of words or some litany that you repeat, but prayer is an awareness. Prayer is about becoming more fully present with the one who is fully present with us, which means that there is no time ever anywhere that you are unable to commune in an unceasing way with the one who is in us and around us and with us. We talked about the power of prayer. And we talked about practical ways to implement that practice. Last week, we even talked about fasting, didn't we? And on the first blush, we think, well, gosh, fasting, this ancient primitive kind of practice is actually a spiritual discipline that we may need now more than ever. Because we talked about how fasting is not just about food. We said last week that fasting is deliberately denying particular cravings that we have so that in the denial of those cravings for a little while, it reveals what it is that's controlling us. And in revealing what controls us, we remove those cravings for just a while to reveal what the only God-given craving is that we have within us, a craving for God. And so each week we're talking about these practical things with practical ways to implement a rhythm back into our life in a year that feels like time has come to a screeching halt and just is standing still. And today, the one discipline, the one spiritual practice, discipline, habit that I want to talk about is worship. Worship. And you're like, well, why would you talk about spiritual disciplines and why would you talk about worship as a spiritual discipline? I mean, isn't worship just the thing that we do? We gather in the same space that we can whenever it's safe and we worship, we sing, we listen to the preacher, we hear the scriptures read. Isn't that just what we do? Why would you call it a spiritual discipline? I call it a spiritual discipline on purpose and it's for this reason. Because worship is about devoting your life to the practice of placing yourself routinely before God for God's adoration and for your transformation. Now, I worded that in a way that has some intentionality to it. I want you to pay attention. I'm going to leave it up on the screen for a moment. Those of you who are note takers, go ahead and write it down or take a picture of the screen so you can meditate upon it later. But if you take a picture and I'm in the picture, tell me and I'll smile, you know, make it look good. If Take a picture... Worship is about devoting your life to a practice. 
to a practice of placing yourself routinely in a rhythmic way, routinely before God for God's adoration and for your transformation. Now, let me be very clear. Make no mistake about it. Worship is first and only about God. Worship is not about you. Worship is not about me. Worship is primarily all about God. It's about coming to a moment in time where we stop and we bend. We bend the knee, we bend the heart, we bend the soul in such a way as to say to the maker, I am yours. And there is nothing that I devote my life to that is worth more than you. You have found me when I was lost. You have rescued me. You picked me up when I couldn't get unstuck. You fill my life with meaning. You never abandon me, even when those who are closest to me turn their back. I worship you because of who you are and because of what you've done. Make no mistake, worship is about an audience of one, and that one is the Lord our God. But there is an interesting exchange that happens when we worship. Because when we come to simply adore God, well, our attention is fixed on God. And when, when our attention is fixed upon God, when we fix our gaze upon Christ, and then we pay attention to the character, the strength, the love of Christ, when we hear about His teachings, when we listen to the stories of what He has done on our behalf and for us, well, then something happens to us because we are focused on his compassion, his mercy, his forgiveness of sins. We're able to see his, the wideness in his welcome and in his mercy. And then in so seeing, we recognize the absence of some of those things in us. So when we gather to worship, to adore God, we fix our eyes on everything Christly. But in fixing our eyes on Christ, we notice everything unchristly in us. And when that happens, we begin to feel some kind of way about that. And sometimes we'll do something about that, like confess it. And sometimes we'll repent of it. And when we do, then all those things that are unchristly, they melt away from us. And then what remains is the image of Christ in us. And we become transformed. So we gather in worship as a discipline to adore God, but in the exchange of adoring God, something happens. We, we're transformed. So the point of worship is not our transformation, but the fruit of worship is. The fruit of worship, the thing that grows out of worship, is that we, we can't be in the presence of the Holy One and walk out these doors and be the same as we were when we came in. Either that or we've been asleep while we were in here. So we gather for the discipline of worship, and we call it a discipline because it takes work. It's not easy. And if there has ever been a year that has demonstrated how, how much of a challenge it is to worship, it's been this year. Because when we're unable to gather in person, it takes deliberate intentionality. It takes intentional, deliberate focus on gathering around your screen, gathering the kids, getting them out of bed, making sure they're all part of worship, doing their thing. It takes work. And it's worth it. In fact, there's a word that we use 
liturgy. So liturgy is the word that simply means the order of things in worship, like the, the words that we use, the scriptures that we read, the sermons we preach, the anthems that we sing. There's a liturgy in every church, no matter where you are, whether it's a liturgical church or not. Every church is liturgical because every church has a flow and a rhythm and a thing that they do, right? But the word liturgy is from liturgia, which means the work of the people. Do you know that when you come to worship, it's work. It's very rewarding, transforming work, but it's work because it requires us to stop competing with every other thing that could absorb our mind's attention and heart's affection. And in that moment, we're called to the discipline of worship. In a year when time seems to be standing still. So in order to do that, I just want to give you a couple of tips, two or three tips to literally practically help you if you've gotten out of rhythm, get back in rhythm into a pattern that is life-giving so you can grow in Christ. The first step is this. The first step actually in becoming a part of a rhythm of life-giving spiritual growth is simply this. Tell your phone who's boss. It's time to show your phone who's boss. Now, on the one hand, you might think where I'm going with this kind of statement, this point of my sermon is like, we need to detach. Like we need to detach from notifications and constantly being tethered to our phone. And on the one hand, that's true, but I could preach a whole series about that. And I am the chief of all sinners when it comes to that. That's going to be a serious conversation if we go down that path, right? But what I mean when I say we have to show our phones whose boss is because of this. About a year or so ago, uh, before COVID, one of our church members, Phil Brown, he may be in the room here. I don't know if Phil, if he is, he's probably wearing a yellow tie today, okay? Phil Brown contacted me. Phil said, Sean, my phone is watching me. I said, what you talking about? He said, every Sunday for years, I've gotten in my car at the same time to come to church. And now my phone has learned pattern. And now when I get into the car in the driveway on Sunday mornings, the phone gives me a notification that says, clear skies, 18 miles to Johns Creek Baptist Church. He said, it's as if my phone is telling me where I am supposed to be. It's really strange, this thing that we can do with our phones now. On the one hand, it's really kind of cool. On the other hand, it's like super creepy as well. I could be at home and, and Laura's like, I'm on my way to the grocery store. Do I need anything? Yeah, pick up some, uh, you know, like granola cereal. And then I go on Facebook and there's like granola cereal ads everywhere. I'm like, what is happening here? You know, but the phone because of the apps that we have and the location devices, if you have them turned on, the phone will actually learn your pattern and tell you something about your pattern. And for Phil, it was, my pattern is I go to church and, the, and it's telling me that's where I belong. That's my rhythm. That's my pattern. That's my routine. And the question I want to raise before us is, what has this past year taught your phone to know about you? I mean, where does your phone tell you you're supposed to be on Sunday mornings these days? I mean, no judgment, by the way, because we haven't been able to come here, right? No condemnation. We haven't been able to gather. But I, as your pastor, part of my role is your shepherd, and I want to shepherd our awareness of the patterns that creep up on us when we're not watching. So on Sunday mornings, when you get in your car, I don't know, does your phone happen to pop up, hey, 
uh, partly cloudy today. It's an eight-mile drive to the golf course. Or, or does it say, hey, expecting showers this afternoon. Uh, you know, it's a five-mile drive to the gym. Or, or maybe the pattern that you've taught your, 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 your phone is, hey, it's going to be clear skies today. Uh, the car's been parked since Friday. Um, enjoy your trip to the couch. <laughs> I don't know. But the truth is, our phones reveal the patterns of our lives, but our patterns tell us something about what we have taught ourselves to think is important. And I'm saying, maybe it's time to show our phones who's boss. Maybe it's time to reinvigorate a commitment to the 11 o'clock Sunday morning hour. And that means whether we're able to come confidently in person because we've been vaccinated or we're comfortable, we're okay with that, or we're at home and we're still kind of waiting for health reasons, it means that that 11 o'clock hour, I guess what I'm saying is it's time for us to make church time holy time again. To make church time holy time again. And I'm going to say something that you'll hear me say. You've heard it the whole pandemic. If you are concerned about your safety, I want you to stay at home. If you have any COVID concerns, we all want you to stay at home until it is safe for you. Do you have conditions that you're waiting on if you're waiting for a vaccine? So hear your pastor say that loudly and clearly. But if we're staying at home now, we don't have any COVID concerns. Maybe we're vaccinated. Maybe we feel confident. Maybe we're not upset about getting out. And yet we have somehow learned over the course of this year that has stood still, maybe we've learned that I kind of like Sunday mornings. And maybe Sunday mornings have become kind of me time. And maybe me time has been a kind of a sweet time, you know? And what I want to suggest to you as your pastor, it may be time to make church time holy time again and remove every competition with this hour. Because when we gather in person with one another or right now online with one another, something happens here that cannot happen when we are apart. In worship, me becomes we. In Christian worship, there is no room for individualism, spirituality. Because in the company of one another, we blur into a shared life called a congregation, called a body of believers. Because when you show up on Sunday morning, and you bring your burdens with you, you bring your concerns, your, maybe you bring your bad mood, maybe you bring the things you're afraid of, maybe you bring the things you're ready to celebrate, Maybe you bring your joy, but whatever you bring in, once you walk into this space on this campus, here's what happens when we worship. We look over here and we see, well, this is the man who lost his wife back in the fall. And he's singing behind his mask, and there are tears running down his eyes because he's singing about something that is giving him a firmness of a foundation, I think I heard somewhere, right? Or you look over here and you see the teenage girl, the young lady who she's here because she drove herself here because her parents don't go to church, but she finds a hunger and a thirst satiated here that she can't get satisfied on her basketball team. Or you look and you find the person with the hat or the head covering because you know she's here right in the middle of treatment. And then suddenly you're aware, I'm surrounded by so much humanity that I realize I'm actually not alone. And on the one hand, it can be overwhelming, but on the other hand, it can be absolutely, mysteriously transformational. Because you realize, 
I am with you and you are with me. And together we are actually bringing our brokenness and our burden before the only one in the universe who can do anything about it at all. And we lift it up before God and there's something that happens. We are transformed because of it. See, when you come to worship and show your phone who's boss, when you create a new pattern, then it becomes a muscle memory and you you suddenly find yourself wanting it again, needing it again. It's like when you eat all sugar, your body just wants sugar. And when you eat all carbs, your body wants carbs. But if you balance your, your diet with good, healthy proteins and carbs and fats, your body actually craves the thing that's best for it. So to show your phone who's boss, we need to get back into a rhythm of 11 o'clock being church time is holy time and there are no competitions in my family. No competitions in my house. We need to begin to make church time holy time again. But the second thing that we need to do in order to get back in a rhythm and get back moving in a year that seems to have been standing still is we need to come with a holy expectancy. A holy expectancy. So what, what do you expect when you come to church? See, the ancients, they expected something. They expected to hear the Kol Yahweh. The Kol Yahweh is the voice of God. They expected, they anticipated that when they came to worship, they would experience the voice of God to descend upon them in a way that leaves them different than the way they were when they came. So Moses, he hears that great word. It's your favorite word, remember? Vayikra, come. And he comes to the tabernacle and he sees the smoke billowing from the tabernacle and he sees the prayers of the people rising all around him. He smells the sacrifice wafting throughout the courtyards and he realizes something's about to go down here. Isaiah goes into the temple and he sees the train of the Lord's robe filling the temple and smoke fills the air and he says something like the, the pivots beneath the threshold begin to shake because there's this thunderous presence the Almighty who is here. There was a holy expectancy. And, and even in the early church, when the early church gathered together in homes and upper rooms, they gathered with the holy expectancy that something was going to happen and miracles happened. I mean, the blind would see. Not just physically, but the spiritually blind would come to worship and in that encounter, they would leave seeing everything differently. The lame would walk. Not just those who were paralyzed and could not get up and walk on their own, but those who were spiritually paralyzed, who thought that time had somehow kind of come and is at a standstill. They'd come to worship and realize they're surrounded by so much life, they, they can't contain it all. And they, they may have limped in to worship, but they leaped out, right? They recognized that there were those who hungered and thirsted, but not only did they eat because they shared their bread with one another, they were fed in their heart and in their soul because of the Word of God and the power of being together in worship. They came with a holy expectancy. What is it that you expect when you come to worship? What do you expect when you come to worship? Because what you expect determines what you experience. And what you experience determines whether you'll ever come back or not. What you expect determines your experience. 
And what you experience determines whether you'll come back or not. For example, if you expect to be entertained in worship, well, we can entertain you. I mean, we've got some talented people around here. We can do a song and dance. We, if you expect to be entertained, well, some days you will be entertained and other days you will not be entertained, but neither of those days will you be transformed. What do you expect when you come to worship? I mean, do you expect to, to come and only have your, satisfied, your, your opinions satisfied or your taste satisfied? You come only because, well, they're going to sing the songs that are on my playlist and my favorite hymn list and my favorite anthem list and the, the preacher is going to preach things that I already know to confirm so that I'm not made to be uncomfortable or ever change or be stretched. I mean, if that's why you come, some days you'll be satisfied and some days you won't, but neither of those days will you be transformed. But if we come with a holy expectancy, if we come believing that we can hear the word of the Lord, well, then we will leave with our expectations overwhelmed, exceeded, and we will be transformed. So not only do we tell our phones who's boss and we create a new rhythm that Sunday morning church time is holy time, and not only do we come with a holy expectancy expecting that God actually truly can meet us where we are and speak into our lives. But we also, in order to create a rhythm that gets back on track, we, we must practice the presence of God. We practice the presence of God. So in our way of becoming more of a, a healthy routine, on our way back with practical help in getting back into a spiritual routine, that's what we're talking about, the thing that we have to do is begin to practice the presence of God. Now, Brother Lawrence, you've heard me talking about Brother Lawrence. And Brother Lawrence is the 17th century monk who was well known for practicing his spirituality, not just in church, but everywhere he was. He was the one who said, I could be in the kitchen uh, rattling pots and pans and be as close to God as, as I am when I'm in Holy Communion at the Eucharist, at the table. The thing with Lawrence is that he didn't replace worship with the kitchen. You know, People tell me all the time, you know, well, I can, I can worship God just as easily and, and sometimes even better out in nature. I can worship God in the mountains and, and on a hike and on the lake. <laughs> of course you can. I mean, who couldn't? But the point is, all of those experiences of worshiping God in nature and in places outside this place are meant to prepare you for the culmination of worship that happens here at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. So all of that is an anticipation of this moment we call worship. So this is what Brother Lawrence said. He's like, you know, I can't imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the presence, without the practice of the presence of God. Without the practice of the presence of God. Now, this is what he meant by that. There's a basic assumption with somebody like this who's able to worship and practice God's presence wherever it is. And, and here's the assumption. There is no place where God is not. There is no place. I mean, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? That means no matter where you go, there is the opportunity, if we can become awake to it, to commune with the living Christ of God. I mean, it's all through Scripture. Creation itself is trying to remind us that we can practice the presence of God everywhere. Psalm 19 puts it this way. 
The heavens are declaring or telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech. There there are no words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. All of creation is attempting to remind you and me, the crowning jewel of creation, humankind, that you can practice the presence of God everywhere you are, and that practice through the week is anticipating that moment when we bring all of our practices to this space and we lift it up in one glorious voice together. The trees clap their hands. The waves dance upon the ocean deep. And you and I are called... Worship doesn't begin when Bob starts playing the prelude. Worship begins on Monday morning when you wake up from sleep. And again on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, all through the week, worship begins and you practice the presence of God by remembering what the ancients said. Because the ancients said that going to bed at night and falling asleep is like a mini death and waking up in the morning is like a mini resurrection. And if you can begin to see your waking up morning, your hour in the morning when you wake up as a mini resurrection, well, then you wake up with praise on your lips. Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning and starting me on my way because now I have another 24-hour period in which to be the resurrected body of Christ in this world. And before you get out of bed then, practicing the presence of God means before you roll out of bed, you whisper a prayer of gratitude. God, keep me fixed upon you. Keep my temper at bay. Give me patience with my coworkers. Help me to see in those places where you're attempting to shake me by the collar. Help me to see where you are trying to practice presence with me today. Then you get out of bed. And you take your shower, but instead of just showering because you're a half zombie at that point, you shower with the awareness, Lord, wash me, cleanse me, and I will be whiter than snow and you brush your teeth and you 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 echo psalm 19 lord may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all my heart be acceptable with you my rock and my redeemer then you have your coffee and while you're having coffee you remind your phone who is boss and you don't do headlines and facebook while you're having your first cup but in silence you're practicing solitude with the lord who is preparing you for that day then you get in the car and the phone tells you where you're supposed to be and you go on your way to work and on your way to work during the traffic jam when the guy cuts you off instead of telling him that he's number one in your life You're then able to see him with a different set of eyes because you've been practicing the presence of God for a good hour or two hours or three hours before you head out that morning. And now you're able to actually literally lift him and see him that he may have more stress in his life than you do. That he's just trying to make it too. He's just trying to make it too. And then you make it maybe to dinner that night. And the one who brings you your food gets the order wrong. And instead of seeing her as somehow subhuman, you see her as co-human and you look for the Christ of God in her. And all of those moments, Monday through Saturday, are all prelude. All of those moments are prolegomenal. All those words are words before this word where we gather with one, the word of God. And all of it should be a culminating, a cumulative gathering of your personal moments 
that you experience the presence of God and when we gather them together in worship, man, there would be on this campus more energy and power and transformation than we could possibly imagine if we practice the presence of God as a preparation for worship. It would allow us to do what 1 Thessalonians says, which is pray without ceasing. It would allow us to do what Psalm 100 verse 4 says, which is enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Because then when we enter in through these gates and we, well, stop at the registration desk on the way in. I think if the psalmist were writing at the time of pandemic, you know, enter his gates with thanksgiving and pass the registration table with praise. You come into the room, but practicing the presence of God includes what happens after you get into the room. So get here early. Get here early. And if you're at home and you can't come yet, turn on the website early. Get the kids up early. I've been saying this through the entire pandemic. Don't accidentally worship. Plan it. Sit around it. Make sure you protect and and resist the temptation to compete with any other thing. And when you get in this room, or in the Family Life Center, you sit quietly and you just watch and you pray. I mean, why couldn't you get here maybe five, ten minutes early for the purpose of just sitting and absorbing the space, the energy of the room? And as you do, pray in preparation for what's about to happen, for what's about to go down with one another. So pray for the volunteers in our production ministry who are making us hear and see things. Pray for our musicians. Pray for those who sing and those who play. Pray for me. Get here early and pray that your pastor would do nothing to get in the way of what the Spirit wants you to hear for your life this week. And in all that praying, you're sitting there, you're praying, you're all prayed up, you got your mask on, and then you see others start to come in. Well, watch and pray for them. Because maybe this guy over here is grumpy because he's got to wear a mask. And this person over here is grumpy maybe because there's blue tape where they usually sit. Now they got to scoot down a little bit. And maybe you see this couple walk in, and this couple, you can tell they've been arguing in the car because they've got that look. And everybody knows what the pre-worship argument is in the car because their, their eyebrows are furled. They're not talking to each other, you know. Thank goodness there's a mask because you can't see them scowl, right? But what if in that moment, practicing the presence of God for you is to pray for them, to literally hold them up, symbolically hold them up in the light of Christ and pray that the light of Christ, that Jesus would so shine through them that, that their shoulders would begin to relax And they wouldn't have the look on their face that says, I'm bearing the weight of the world because they are now in the company of the one who has borne the weight of the world. And when we do that, what we're doing is preparing for the high moment that we call worship. And that rhythm that we create of reminding our phones who is boss, 11 o'clock, church time is holy time. That coming with holy expectancy, not just casually stumbling in, but expecting a miracle to take place in this, in this room, this, this space, and practicing the presence of God all through the week. Well, it makes it possible that we're all transformed. And we sure could use it because on a weekend when we acknowledge the anniversary of a, a year when it feels like time has stood still, we all just confess that what we've all needed all along Really, if we're honest, 
It's for our batteries to change. Right? For our batteries to change. And sometimes changing the battery is it's overwhelming if you feel like you have to do it by yourself. Sometimes changing your battery is was well, daunting because the fact is we can't change our own battery. The battery that charges us to do the walk of faith is charged by each other through the power of the Spirit living in each of us. That means that when we gather here or when we watch online until it's safe to gather here, that means with renewed batteries, we're able to do something we've never done before. We're able to set a new kind of time. 11.59, how about that? Right on time. Watch this. Almost quitting time, right? Oh. And yet, if we're honest, mature, congregations understand it takes time, right? Sometimes it takes a little while to be repaired. We're going to put ourselves, we're going to give the preacher five more minutes, watch. So my, my spirit today is, I'm just mindful of how much you have gone through this past year because, yeah, I have too. And I know there are moments when it feels like the clock has stopped or when it has rewound and it's just dragging. But the power of Christ living in us is that the battery can be recharged. But maybe you're hearing this and, and it sounds hopeful, but maybe you are aware that you haven't even, well, your clock hasn't even started maybe. Maybe you've come to the place where you realize you've never begun a relationship with God in a deliberate way in which you yield yourself to Him so that He can replace your batteries. We have all kinds of words for that. One word is salvation. One word is rescue. One word is renewal. And all of it, well, the heavy lifting has been done by somebody else. And I want you to know that all you must do is receive it. Today, I want to offer a prayer. And if these words speak something that sounds like what you need, then wherever you are in this room, in the Family Life Center or at home, I want you to repeat them in your heart. you got to recognize that we are losing time. I recognize that I have been spinning my wheels, killing time racing time and yet I, I confess to you that I can't change the battery on my own I confess to you that I need you to forgive me of my sins to to give me grace and mercy for the places where I have fallen where I've lost track of the time that you have given me I yield myself now to follow you take me for I am yours in Jesus name amen So if you have prayed that prayer, or if that prayer sounds like something that is in your heart, that's a big deal. And I want you to let somebody know about it today. It may be that you have to email us and let us know, and you can do that, and we'll reach back out to you. But if you're in worship today in person in the Family Life Center or here in the sanctuary, 
in the front of the sanctuary here and in the to the to the left uh, of the family life center our pastors are gathering so that at the conclusion of this worship service you are invited to come and talk to them about the prayer that you just prayed and we'll help you take a new and next step in faith but for now I'm going to ask that all the church together stand to your feet for our closing benediction. Another strength that comes from gathering and worship with one another is that we depart empowered with one another. So my prayer for you this day is that Christ would go before you to prepare your way. That Christ would go behind you on the days that you fear and feel like retreating to encourage you one step further at a time. May Christ go to your right and Christ to your left, abiding closer than a sister or a brother. May Christ go above you on the days when dark clouds roll in to remind you there is one above the clouds who at the end of the day has the final word. May Christ go beneath you, guarding you, girding you with confidence and removing all forms of fear. But mostly may Christ go in you, transforming you from the inside out until your hearts beat in rhythm with His.